We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the tailgate here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. And we are pumped to welcome in the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland after, I guess you could say, a pretty amazing season, amazing year for not just football, but basketball, and then, of course, most recently, baseball. How much time do you give yourself to reflect, Toby, when the season wraps up? What's the final few days after your last bro- <laughs> baseball broadcast like? I, I mean, I think the whole off season is a, a time of reflection to some extent. It really was <laughs> One of I think it was probably the most interesting year of the seven that that I've been fortunate enough to be in this job. Um, when you consider Baker and Trey Young and Kyler Murray and Steel Walker and a trip to the Rose Bowl, um, the crazy roller coaster ride of the uh, basketball season, uh, NCAA tournament appearance for the baseball team. Even a, a year ago when we're taping this, if you go all the way back to Bob Stoops announcing his retirement, um, it's been a wild year. I'm sure I'm forgetting some stuff in there as well. So it's been fun. And, yeah, you kind of sit back now for a couple of months as you wait for football to start and and uh, reflect on the year and uh, try to, as we've said before, try to reacquaint yourself with your family a little bit and get some downtime and get ready to do it all over again. All right, let's, uh, let's work backwards. We'll start, first of all, with the unfortunate finish of the baseball season. But now as, as the draft has kind of put a whole new perspective on it, kind of amazing to see what this team did 
without two first-round picks. You know, you lose Steel Walker and Kyler Murray right before the Big 12 t- uh, tournament, and yet they win a couple of games. They eliminate Texas and Kansas, and then they go to the NCAA tournament and come so close to clinching a spot in the Super Regional. Heck of a first year for Skip Johnson. It really was, and I think uh, Skip did a great job of laying the groundwork for years to come with not just um, winning baseball games, but kind of what his OU baseball program is going to be all about. And, um, you know, he is a a very even-keeled, it's-about-the-process kind of a guy. And uh, I think, well, we knew it the year he was here as a pitching coach, but certainly we saw it this year, how much his players love playing for him and respect him as a coach and as a person. Um, they had a, a very good year. It's a little, it's a lot of a shame that they were, oh, I mean, just hit with so many key injuries right at the end. It was a relatively injury-free year, and then all of a sudden, a rash of them to some of their biggest weapons. And it is inspirational what they were able to do without Steel Walker and Kyler Murray and for a few games, Levi Prater in the lineup. And there were guys that were playing that were not. Uh, Riley Ware was far from 100%. He had a little bit of a knee situation going on. Brady Lindsley uh, had a bad back for the last month or month and a half of the season. And, but to not have Steel and Kyler and still hang around as long as they did in the Big 12 tournament and come within one win of going to a super regional was pretty amazing. It really was. And and it was not that they were just getting it done with pitching. I mean, you could say, well, they didn't have those guys, but they were throwing a bunch of one, nothing shutouts. You know, they won a game 20 to 10 in the, uh, in the regional, Uh, they were hitting the ball. Some guys who weren't big parts of this team all year, uh, like Thomas Hughes, and, and I'm talking on the field, like yeah. Thomas Hughes and Blake Brewster and Dom Dorenzo, uh, Justin Mitchell, were suddenly not just playing, but the best. You know, they were they were leading. Thomas Hughes led the NCAA regional in hitting. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Justin Mitchell had a, an amazing postseason run. So it was inspirational what they did, and yet at the same time you can't help but Look back and say, Dad, gummit, man. If they had, look how good they were without Steele and Kyler. If they had had Steele and Kyler, maybe this is a team that ends up in Omaha. I mean, I think their pitching was deep enough to definitely get them there. And, and the thing that really handcuffed them uh, was their inability to just have enough offense. And those are your two biggest offensive weapons. So. It is uh, inspirational what they did, and at the same time, I know it was frustrating for everyone involved that the injury bug bit them at the worst possible time because they really felt like they had, an, and I agree, an, an Omaha-caliber team if they all click. You know, and then you get you get past the disappointment, and on your plane ride back, Kyler Murray finds out he's the ninth pick in the Major League Baseball draft, though I'm pretty sure that there was a good feeling based on his his family and how in tune they are with understanding the ins and outs of the Major League Baseball draft. I think there was a pretty good feeling that he might go in the top ten. But I dug Lincoln Riley coming out right away and saying, hey, listen, as we've talked about throughout, he's going to play football this year. And I thought 
I thought at least from a sports talk perspective, Toby, we could have used some content going into July. But I also dug it <laughs> in that you kind of squelch that fire right away so no one has to really concern themselves with if he's going to play baseball or football. Yeah, it was uh, it was handled well by all parties involved within the first couple of hours after the draft to just kind of um, alleviate the stress on Sudernation a little bit. <laughs> it was uh, uh, the reaction was understandable, but needed it needed an answer. So I think everybody handled it. Um, it was fascinating to be on that airplane, Chris. We all realized the timing of the day. You know, this is a huge moment in all these young men's lives. And everyone knows what day the draft is, and everyone knows what time the draft is. I- imagine if coming up in two weeks, you know, Trey Young is going to be taken sometime in the lottery picks, in the top 14 picks of the NBA draft. Imagine if about a half hour before the draft, he just gets up in an airplane and disappears for two and a half or three hours. You know, that's what happened. And Kyler Murray and Steel Walker knew that they were going to get picked that night. We all knew that they were going to get picked that night. And we didn't know if it would be before we landed. There was a pretty good chance uh, that at least one, if not both of them, were going to get drafted before we landed. So, I mean, being in an airplane for two and a half, three hours is a squirmy experience (laughs) if, if... if you've got nothing on the line, right? You're, right. Like, you're, look, you're constantly looking at your watch, how much longer, I'll watch another show, I'll listen to another song, maybe I'll close my eyes for a while, look at my watch, how much longer, look outside, maybe we're doing, you know, I mean, it's, you're in an airplane, and but imagine <laughs> if your life is possibly changing on the ground below you and everyone in the world knows it but you. And that's what happened to Kyler. Everyone in the world knew that he got taken number nine overall in the draft, <laughs> except for those of us in that airplane. <laughs> so we were flying charter. The NCAA, if you qualify for the NCAA tournament, you fly charter. And uh, and there aren't as many restrictions as far as uh, cell phones go and stuff like that. So a lot of times they'll you'll leave your cell phone on. Now you can't get reception at 30,000 feet, but sometimes as you're coming down, uh, you get into – a lower airspace, you'll pick up a text message that comes through or something like that. And that's what happened. We were on our descent into Oklahoma city. I remember we were circling downtown, not circling. We were going around downtown. I was on the left side of the airplane. I could see downtown Oklahoma city. And I looked at my phone and I had a two or three text messages started coming through from, uh, my wife and, and, uh, TJ Perry was one of them. <laughs> and, and, and then I, I started to hear some – I had headphones on. I started to hear some murmuring around the plane. So I took off my headphones, and sure enough, everyone's like, did you see? Did you see? What? What? Nine? What? Nine? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody starts cheering. That's awesome. And, you know, it was a slow build as everyone found out what was going on. And then we word spread, and the whole plane's – you know, going nuts and, and we land and obviously uh, Kyler said that Lane Ramsey's dad had gotten a text through to Lane and Lane told him and um, it was just it was really cool. And uh, I, I think it it validates, you know, him as a baseball player, because I think there was a, a lot, not everyone, but there were a lot of people who felt like maybe he was just messing around over there at baseball. You know, maybe maybe he should be concentrating on 
football and what he was doing over there at baseball was just the hobby and he needed to knock it off. And I think when you go number nine overall, it validates to a lot of people that this is more than a hobby. This is this kid's future. <laughs> I mean, he, he is really, really good at it and has the potential to be a major league baseball player for a lot of years. Now you got to get breaks and you got to develop and stay healthy, all that kind of stuff. But he's got the kind of potential to be a center fielder for a major league baseball team for a decade. That's the kind of potential he has. And, um, so I was happy for him and obviously for Steele. And Steele's just he steals a proven commodity. I mean, Steele Walker played for Team USA. He was MVP for Team USA. He might have been the best player in this league this year. Uh he is a pure left handed hitting machine. And he's gonna do a great job uh in the pros as well. And you know, kind of the bigger picture was nine guys got drafted, five of them in the first ten rounds, and this was a really talented baseball team that Oklahoma had this year. I mean, they, you know, Jake Irvin is a big time talent. Austin Hanson is a big time talent. So uh, for that all to kind of be proven because the guys at the next level saw that is, uh, I think, satisfying for everyone involved. Toby, uh, one, one final thought on this, and then I just kind of want to wrap things up because it's summertime for us. We get a chance to chill for a bit and we'll, we'll check back in in July or so. But what clicked in baseball? You know, I, I, I listen to you every day. So I listen to your show every day. And I think you've said this a few times. If not, maybe, maybe T.J. Perry has brought it up. But last year he was a football player playing baseball. And he was a base stealer. And he wasn't – this year he was part of that team. And he was an integral part of the team. So what, what clicked? What changed to where he was a football guy trying to play baseball to becoming a key figure in a major part of not just his team, Toby, but that clubhouse too? Well, I think, um, you know, the, the two, those are two different things you're talking about there. Okay. And I think two different people deserve credit. One of them is with the mechanics of his actual baseball swing and approach, Clay Overcash and Clay Van Hook changed Kyler Murray's approach this year at the plate. Now, without boring you with all the <laughs> mechanics of a baseball swing and what changed from year to year, uh, they watched him last year, or his tape of last year, and Clay Overcash was a scout last year, so he watched him firsthand, and, and actually went into the cages with him and changed his swing. And Kyler put in the work to make that work, and it was a massive improvement for him at the plate. His approach this year at the plate was night and day. He would wildly swing at breaking balls last year and have no chance. I mean, the book on him was you throw him anything that bends, he's, he can't hit it. And this year that was not the case at all. He had great at-bats, deep at-bats, threw a lot of walks, hit a lot of home runs. So I think clay, the clays, as they call them, clay squared, overcash <laughs> and Van Hook, deserve a lot of credit for him becoming the next level baseball player he did this year. He, he had the speed, he had the arm, he had all that kind of stuff. But the swing this year and the at-bats were so much better than a year ago. And I think the guys at the next level said, whoa, that's what he can be. <laughs> and he's only doing it for one season. Imagine if he puts a lot of work in, how good he could be. The other element to, that you're talking about is maybe the more fascinating part of it is that I, he, last year, I think Kyler Murray was very much kind of a 
I mean, my read on it from the radio booth and from traveling with the team is he was kind of a, a fringe guy with the team. Um, he didn't play a ton. He would pinch hit and pitch run and get an occasional start. He was, you know, he missed a lot more because of football last year. He missed a couple of whole series. I want to say maybe 10 games altogether he wasn't at. And I, it just didn't feel like, it felt like you know, he's on the team, but but he wasn't a part of the core of the team. Like, they, they were, you know, when he was there, he was there. When he wasn't, he wasn't, whatever. The core of the team's the core of the team. That was entirely different this year, and I think Skip Johnson gets the most credit for that because before the season started, I know he sat his team down and and had a talk with them about Kyler specifically. And this is going to be, you know, Kyler's going for QB1 here. And the amount of attention that's going to be on him and everything he's going through is something we all need to understand, okay? One, you're going to be asked, I'm talking about his teammates, an inordinate number of questions about Kyler Murray, your teammate here. And I want you guys to be prepared how to handle that and know that's going to happen. And, and two, what Kyler is trying to accomplish is an amazing athletic feat. And we are honored that we get to be a part of that, and we are here to help him. And I think the team went into the season and really embraced the season as not only is Kyler very much a part of the core of this team and essential to our success and our cleanup hitter and all that kind of stuff, but we are honored and privileged that we get to watch him play and play alongside him and can't wait to watch him play quarterback next year for OU football. And we're his number one cheerleader. And I think Kyler sensed that and got sucked in and, you know, it just, it couldn't have been a better chemistry this year. Kyler was uh, a part of the heart and soul of the baseball team, had a great year, and again, unfortunately, the, the injury at the end didn't allow us to get to see him in postseason play, but it, it was certainly fun to watch. Toby, I will uh, let you go on this. How excited are you for the summer ahead? You got an Alaskan trip coming up? Well, you, you're going to be with Vern Lindquist, right? That's right. Well, certainly um, very excited about that. The OU Alumni Association is, has asked us to be the host for the OU contingent this summer on a Big 12 cruise to Alaska. So all the Big 12 schools are bringing a group of people, and each each school has a host. And my wife and I have been asked to be the host for the University of Oklahoma, and we've never uh, sailed to Alaska, so we are beyond excited to get to see the last frontier and all <laughs> that entails and to get to do it with a whole bunch of OU fans and uh, fans from around the Big 12 is going to be fun. And the kind of the headliner on the cruise is the great Vern Lundquist, which uh, hopefully all of you know out there is one of the all-time broadcasting greats. So uh, that is uh, – that's going to be so much fun. We can't wait. That'll be in July. Man, how great is Toby? Some incredible perspective on what absolutely is one of the wildest stories now looking back on this year in Sooner Athletics, and it's the last story, which is Kyler Murray getting drafted in the top ten in the Major League Baseball draft, going ninth overall to the A's, and fear not, he'll still be part of the Oklahoma Sooner football team. Just an amazing story. Now, we segue to softball. Speaking of amazing stories, JT Gasso, 
back-to-back national championships in his first two years as the hitting coach. And then in year three, the Sooners fall just short of a return trip to the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Had a chance to catch up with JT and not only look back, but also look ahead because there's a lot going on right now in recruiting and there's a lot of excitement over this incoming Oklahoma softball recruiting class. Can you take us through the transition from end of season to now camp season and then I guess what, crouton season, and then you're right back into fall ball. JT, when the season wraps up, what's your schedule look like? What does it become for you? Well, um, in the past, we so, so our recruiting uh, calendar opens back up on Thursday, so that's tomorrow, right? What's today? That's today. <laughs> today, yeah. Yes. So it, it it opens up today. Um, so what we've done in the past is usually we we plan on being busy Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and we kind of skip. We've been skipping this weekend, but um, I'll I'll be out this weekend on Saturday, and then we have a camp on Sunday um, that goes into Monday, and then just every weekend it's it's a new event. So. Um, that'll be it, – it's just crazy. And and now, since the rules have changed with our recruiting schedules, um, we can be out as much as we want. So um, it's it's more like a baseball model in that sense. So it, it doesn't stop. It just – it literally does not stop. How has – okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is an area, JT, like many, where I'm not very educated. So educate me a bit. How much have the rules changed? Is it a help? Is it a hindrance? What's How has that affected you now? And what is this, about your seventh, eighth year, whenever you've been able to recruit as an assistant head coach, three at Oklahoma, what, a couple at Michigan State, a couple at Purdue? How has it changed things? Yeah, so what it used to be was you had 50, 50 dates that you could go out and recruit. And between your full-time coaching staff, um, you would have to count each day as a date. So if um, myself and Coach Lombardi and Coach all went out on the same day, it would be that would count as three. So you had 50 in, in one calendar year, right? So um, you had to really be careful of how many times you went out, uh, who went out, and so uh, and whatnot. So what's changed in the past, uh, this is the first year of the new rule, is you can have unlimited number of dates that you could go out between June and August. But in the fall, you can only go recruit on Saturday and Sunday in a six-week window between October and November. So now what that's done for us is the summers have just been – they've been easier to manage because with compliance, you don't really have to do um, a lot. Like, hey, I'm going out to recruit. And then um, you, you can go out for however many days you want, uh, go to whatever tournament you want. We all can go be at the same place at the same time. So it's been a little bit easier, uh, but the falls have been a lot more, I guess, difficult to manage recruiting-wise because you're not able to go out as much as we have in the past. Interesting. I am now informed. JT Gasso hanging out with us. You, uh, I envy you for a lot of reasons, but your mental makeup and how you handle adversity and disappointment, JT, is something that I think a lot of people can learn from. Even with that, how challenging has it been to look back and know how close this team came and just, you know, you say goodbye to a great group of seniors, and I thought you had a great 
tweet about it and what they meant to this program. But how do you compartmentalize? How do you allow yourself to deal with the frustration from not being able to get where you wanted? Uh, you know, it's <laughs> wow. We're we're cutting deep a little bit today. <laughs> so, no, it's uh, very early. <laughs> uh, I think you know. Obviously, every everyone you you always, <laughs> when you don't meet a goal, you're going to be upset. And so I think you know, there's times where I might look at myself like, what could I have done better? What could I have uh, done more of? Um, but I think as far as performance wise, our 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 team left it all out there. And I mean, we were fighting. Um, we uh, you know, at the World Series, you just don't have any room for error. So we we played a team that was you know in the national championship game for a reason. And so uh, it, it was tough, but you don't look at it as something that you regret. You just look at something like, you know, how can we be better for the next year? So um, if, if we would have gone out there and just not competed and just looked not like ourselves, then that might be something that uh, might sting a little bit more. But the fact that we played um, with the intent to win every game and you just – we went – you know, all out every game is just something that you look at, and that's really all you can ask for. And again, I'm not trying to say anything negative, JT, and you know that. It's just the expectation level, and maybe it even gets skewed somewhat as, we're going to win championship every year. And I and I know that's how you guys feel, and I know that's how fans have been uh, conditioned to feel with the success, but it's just, it's hard, man. And I think you know this because you scout it, and you work, and you grind, and you recruit, but I don't think people truly have been able to embrace just how difficult it is to even win one championship. I mean, we've won four back-to-back and had ourselves in the final four, and yet I'm listening to coaches' post-game presser, and everyone's disappointed. You know, most programs would be just sky high after this, but, JT, that's the level of expectation here, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is. And I think that that really started in 2000. 11, 2012, when we first started making these runs, coming back when Kehlani was here. But I, I think just you, you, you're disappointed, but at the same time, I think um, it's it's more for the loss of, of who – I think this one stings a little bit more because of who we lost, and you're losing one of the best pitchers, uh, the best pitching staff to ever come through here, um, one of the best outfielders, best catchers, best ob- – literally the best shortstop we've had two-time um, defensive player of the year. So when you have those kids roll, roll through here and it's over, I think it just hurts a little bit more. But I think the expectations, um, it, it's exciting that we can have those. And right. I just think as a, as a program, that's what you want. And you, you want to spend your college career fighting for championships. So um, the fact that we even have those in the first place is – that means that we're in a really good place right now. I think I'm glad you mentioned one of the best center fielders. I and I know we don't have time to go through everybody, JT, like we would want to. But I think sometimes in what this staff became and is with Paige Parker and Paige Lowry and just how dominant they were, I think sometimes we lose sight of just how great of a college player that Nicole Penley ended up being, and that's. That's a tough shadow to be in with Shelby as great as she was. And Shelby would always say, hey, my sister's going to end up being better. And Nicole, I mean, I don't, we could debate that until we're blue in the face. But, man, what a career Nicole Pinley put together. And I think sometimes we over we overlook it. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, the biggest things about her was she was the leader of the outfield for 
three years, three, four years. And um, just to kind of see how her career's changed, when I came in, she was more of a slapper style. And not like she slapped all the time, but it was more of a high average. I think she had single-digit home runs. And then um, when when we came in, we – when or when I came in, we she really embraced kind of the philosophy that we were trying to trying to get at, and she became a bona fide power hitter. I mean, double digit home runs. I think she had 14 maybe this year. She had 18 last year. So um, when you when you look at her, I think it's pretty cool that she's able to do all that. And typically, someone for her size and maybe what she's used to been doing is not really something that you see a lot. But the fact that um, she's done. Oh, what what she's done over the course of her career is pretty special, um, especially being a four-year starter in center field. Can't help but look ahead a little bit. So with that said, Jocelyn sets the freshman record and ties the program – well, ties the, the freshman record, ties the program record for 30 home runs in a season – and people also lose track of the fact that she led the team in average as well, too. So not only did she hit 30 bombs, but she was a leading hitter for the Sooners as well. Where, where's going to be her biggest leap between year one and year two? And maybe in that two, JT, what's going to be one of her biggest challenges heading into her sophomore campaign? Well, I think what's pretty crazy is with, with Jossie, she really didn't have a good first quarter. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. So honestly, if I'm looking at it, um, if she would have had, if she would have been on for the whole year, I, I, I'm not kidding here. She probably would have had 40 home runs this year, which would right. have been insane. Um, so I think going into next year, it's something to where we look and like, hey, um, we can build on what we're doing right now, and it's just something that you got to come in with zero expectation or probably maybe not zero expectation, but um, you got to forget about just kind of the, the freshman year and we got to start new and we got to just keep going and, but building off of what you already did, uh, but not letting the accolades and all that kind of dictate where you go for your sophomore year, not trying to match it, but just try and be great. Cause I mean, people are going to picture a lot different now and uh, which is exciting because I think, the way that people pitch Jocelyn sets up the rest of the lineup. So if she is getting on base, and she talked about it in post-game pressers and everything, but if she's getting on base, the people behind her are going to have success. And it's just um, it's just building on that. And then with her power stroke, I mean, she is always willing to learn. She always wants to, to watch video, um, know what, she's, what she can do better. So I think that, uh, mentality of always learning and getting better is just something that's going to propel her throughout her uh, the rest of her career. JT, I'll let you go on this. Uh, names like Grace Green, Audrey Lavalli, uh, Grace Lyons, Sammy Skelly, all will be in the mix next year. When do you get your hands on them? When do you get an opportunity to start working with these newcomers? Well, I'm a little upset that a new name we didn't start talking about was Sam Darnold and Jeff OTA. But, we got you know, time. Maybe that's another day. We, we maybe got that's time. Another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but um, they, they'll they come in uh, August. I think some of them have a summer oh. program that they're doing that they'll be able to work out. But we as coaches can't have any, um, I guess, practice time with them until August when everyone else gets here. So, uh, it's going to be exciting because we, now we have 
another group of freshmen, or I guess now sophomores, who can help develop these freshmen when they're here um, in the summer or when they're here on their own and just kind of uh, lead them into the expectations before we uh, get on the field in, in August. No, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. Not Sam Darnold, because we'll have to do a football show, just you and me, before, I don't know, OTAs or something. But every if you don't go out and wow people in your freshman year, and this is for every sport, baseball, football, basketball, suddenly you're written off. It's like, oh, well, they didn't do anything their freshman year. JT, I think there is an incredible upside for this freshman class who had a very unique opportunity because of the depth in this program where a lot of them got to sit and learn. I think in Aaliyah Flores, I think in Alexis Schultz, uh, Lindsay Elam. I mean, she's our only catcher on the roster for right now. I mean, those are just three that pop to the front of my mind that have an incredible opportunity in front of them and just – just because they didn't Jocelyn Allo their freshman season doesn't mean to write them off. I think they've got incredible careers in front of them. Yeah, and I think what's pretty cool about our program is we have so many developed upperclassmen, and we, we're, we're in the business of development. And I think over the past couple of years, here's some names uh, for you that were ended up being really good. They didn't have really good – maybe not as good as freshman year as they could have. Aaron Miller, Katie Self. Yep. Um, uh, Kelsey Arnold, Nicole Penley, like we ha- we have people who come in as freshmen and they do okay, but then they they develop and they learn and they just keep getting better and better and better. And I think the upside, exactly what you said, the upside for Aaliyah and Schultz and Elam, they they learned a lot and they put a lot into practice. And um, towards the end of the season, the concepts that were that we're putting in them and everything, they're getting it. And so I think come the fall, you're going to see a completely different set of players come in, which is, it's exciting. I, I really like seeing when they take the summer to develop and get stronger and work on their craft and they come back a completely different player. So there you have it. Another edition of the tailgate. Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing, listening, sharing, go out on social media, uh, or go, you know, use the links at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Quick announcement. As we reach the summer months, we're going to have a few special episodes, but we're also going to lighten the load, if you will, a little bit. So there will be no game plan next week. That's our early week edition. But we'll have an edition of the tailgate coming up next Friday. And then we'll take a week off, and we'll come back, and we'll start talking football. So a little break for us, a little summer vacay, minimize things, a little bit, a couple episodes in July, including our yearly conversation with the great Joe Castiglione, a preview and a recap of Big 12 Media Days. But it is a great time, and it's been a great year to be an Oklahoma Sooner sports fan and to be a Sooner in general. So thank you guys, as always, for listening, subscribing, downloading, sharing, whatever other fancy terms we need to use for podcast listening. Have a great weekend, and until next Friday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.